Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, I wanted to give my apology. Not apology in the sense of apologizing that I'm a Christian, but rather apology in the Greek sense. The word apology is rooted in the same word of apologetics. They have the same root term and root and the same terminology in terms of uh, the etymology of that particular word. So in the Greek, the word is apologia. And we find numerous instances of it uh, in the New Testament. And it's used in a legal sense of defending oneself or defending something you believe in. So in apologia, in terms of its usage, we are set for the defense of the gospel as Paul indicated in the first chapter of Philippians. And it's also translated answer in many translations, Bible translations, that is. So I want to give my apologia or my apology. Why is it that we as Christians should come from the covers of apathy why should we as Christians come out of the closet for the use of better terminology to say to the world I am a Christian I follow Jesus Christ these are the things that I believe in these are the tenets that I uphold why do we do the things that we do That's what apologetics is about. Apologetics is giving each man and woman an answer, an apologia. Giving them a reason for the hope that lies within each one of us. And doing it with gentleness and respect and definitely rooted in charity. So all Christians have been called by God to go share the gospel, to teach men and women everywhere, whatsoever we've been commanded to do. And God promised that he he was with the disciples and definitely he will be with us also. The great commandment was not just a descriptive commandment. It was a prescriptive commandment. The great commandment is for every Christian, wherever you may be. Whether you're riding with someone in the car, listening to this radio show, whether you're at home with your family, loved ones, whether you're at work with co-workers, whether 
you are out in the grocery store with other shoppers, wherever you find yourself, you have an obligation to give your apology. And today I want to give my apology. I want to give my apologia. I am a Christian and I'm not ashamed. I am a believer and my eyes strain to follow Jesus. I am not going to compromise my calling just to fit into this modern society of do what you want to do. No one can tell me what to do. If it makes me happy, let me do it. We as Christians have to speak out and we have to warn those that we love about the gospel. And when I use the term those that we love, I am not just talking about our family members, our friends, our close associates, those that we already have a relationship with, but rather all of humanity. The Christian should have the type of love infused by God that connects to all of humanity. So if I see someone living in a way that's under the standards that God has given us, I have an obligation to share the gospel. I want everyone to get to know the Jesus that I know. I want everyone to have the liberty that I have. I want everybody to experience the joy that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. And that's why we've been saved. We've been saved that God may sanctify us, that God may set us apart for his use. And in doing so, at the same time, others will take notice. And they'll see that there are things that we do differently. And they'll see a change in us. But as they're seeing this change in us, we also have a duty to be prepared just in case they ask us, why do we follow Jesus? Why do we read the Bible? Why do we study the Bible? Why do you not get so angry that you lose control of yourself? Why is it that you seem calm when others are frustrated and others are stressed out? Just by the way we live, just by us following Jesus Christ, others will want to know him. And then when the opportunity arrives where they want to know more about this Jesus, we have to be ready. We have to give our apology. In today's episode, I want us to take a look at some of my favorite texts. Not too many, but they are very powerful in terms of why we as Christians should stand up and defend the tenets of the faith. They're very powerful in terms of why we as Christians should study the Bible 
that we may rightly divide the word of God. We first want to take a look at Titus. And the overarching theme of the book of Titus is the church and the ministry. The church and the ministry. In Paul's letter to Titus, he writes, he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. In this letter, uh, Paul is writing to his son in the ministry, Titus. And Paul is basically advocating order. Churches have to be in order. And I do realize there are some who join a church and they want to do what they want to do and they don't want to follow the guidelines of the church. I understand that. But every believer must adhere to the ordinances, number one, that transcend local churches that came from God itself. We must adhere to those ordinances, number one. Number two, God has uh, given Christians liberty to set up rules and regulation that they deem is best for the local church in adherence to the scriptures. I am not talking about rituals that we have created that have nothing to do with the gospel. Some traditions were based on convenience and some traditions were based on uh, individuals view of certain things and it may or may not have anything to do with God's will. But even if that is so, we must follow the correct process that we may not bring in chaos, friction, strife into the church. There's a correct way to show your disagreement without being disrespectful or without falling out with your brothers and sisters. So Paul was writing to Titus to advocate order. And in order to have the proper process for rules and regulations, Paul understood the necessity for godly men that would possess virtues which are endorsed by God. Let me repeat it. Paul understood the importance of having godly leaders, godly men in the church. For it is through them that others will be trained in rightly handling the word of God. It is through, through them that others may appreciate the importance of holding on to the trustworthy message that's been given by God. Those chosen to be elders or spiritual leaders of the church must hold firm to the trustworthy message. God's message can be trusted. God's message is based on truth because God is true. And because God is true, 
whatever he has said in terms of the principles of the Bible have no expiration date. The truth that comes out of the nature of God has no expiration date. If God is Alpha and Omega, if God is eternal, if God is infinite and truth came out of God, which the word is based on, then the principles of the Bible have no expiration date. And I fully understand that there are some in our Christian community who actually believe that some of the principles of the scriptures are old fashioned and we no longer need to follow it. But let me say this as I give my apology. If it was true in the Old Testament, it's still true in the 21st century. Truth has no expiration date. If it was true in uh, 1000 B.C., it is still true in 2014 and 2015 and 2016. Why? Because truth has no expiration date. If thou should not murder, it was true uh, when God gave it to Moses, it is still true in the 21st century. If adultery was wrong in the first century, adultery is still wrong in the 21st century. So truth has no expiration date. And Paul is saying to Titus, get godly men, get men of godly virtues and have them, number one, prove that they are able to hold firm to the message that can be trusted. Then they are to entrust it to other men who can be trusted so the church can be in order. And that order is based on God's truth alone. So Paul paints a picture of an elder or spiritual leader who knew the truth of the gospel, which this version of a Christian leader in many cases is starkly different than the image associated with many of our leaders today as we see on television, as we see in our communities. We now have leaders who are not willing to hold firm to the message that God has deposited to us. They would rather go with the crowd than to stand up and say, this is wrong. We as believers or we as a human civilizations cannot cannot do this instead of men and women who are ready to follow God and to stand on his tenets. We have too many professed believers who are acquiescing to the voice of the so-called majority and not stand firm and not warning the people about their ways. But we have to give our apology. It doesn't matter if people get offended. You can be the most loving person and people still would get offended. Let's look at Jesus. Jesus offended some people. Why was Jesus crucified? Jesus is not this hippie that a lot of uh, modern uh, individuals so like to paint him as. Jesus ruffles some feathers. Why? Because he told the truth. And likewise, we too must endure hardship. And let us stand on the side of Jesus rather than the side of man. 
when man's law conflicts with God's law, we as believers must go with God's law. And in these passages, we learn that God wants us to stand. And the passages clearly teaches us that those, especially in leadership within a church, are not only required to hold firm to the message, to the trustworthy message, they should also encourage others by the way of sound doctrine. And that word sound in the Greek is who gaze. And who gaze means healthy. And and doctrine means teaching. So what we're offering in terms of sound doctrine is healthy teaching. Healthy teaching coming from the gospel. And when we don't teach the truth, when we don't stand up for the truth, when we compromise, we're not giving people healthy teaching. We are giving them unhealthy teaching. When we allow people to think in our communities that they can live any type of way and there's no godly repercussions, that's unhealthy teaching. When we allow individuals uh, to live any type of way they want and still serve in leadership positions within the church, that's unhealthy teaching. So we must stand firm. We must give our apology. We must respond based on the scriptures and not based on human humanism alone. Not only should they hold firm to the scriptures, not only should they encourage others by the way of sound doctrine, they must also refute those who oppose the healthy doctrines. That's what we don't see enough of these, uh, these days. Nobody, not nobody, I'm sorry, but few people are willing to stand up. And God is calling for godly men and women to stand up and refute those who oppose sound doctrine. I realize that a lot of people um, may not want to ruffle any feathers, may not want to uh, put any ripple in the tide, but it's not based on our feelings and not based on our convenience. We have a deontological duty by God himself to correct individuals that are wrong in love and to refute those who who opposes sound doctrine. And it is not optional. This is a mandatory commission that God has given all of us that we are to rightly divide the word of truth, that we are to oppose those who teach and walk according to doctrines that are contrary to those found in the scriptures. Do not fear threats. Do not be intimidated. We must stand firm. And I do realize that uh, the the, the passage uh, deals with the criteria for selecting an elder or leader or spiritual leader. I do realize that. However, this passage is not only descriptive, but it is prescriptive. This means the principles are binding upon all Christian leaders and it's binding upon all Christians in general. It also means that there are other passages that supports these same tenets. Do not fear the threats, as I said before. Do not be frightened. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. 
always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that lies within you. But do this with gentleness and respect. And this is first Peter three fourteen and 15. So it's in the midst of suffering. According to this passage, Peter encourages the saints to not be afraid of threats. Rather, they are to revere Christ as Lord. Now, how do you go about revering Christ as Lord? By always preparing with the goal of giving a biblical response to anyone that acts of you the reason for the hope. Again, how do we revere Christ as Lord? By always preparing with the goal of giving a biblical, scriptural, doctrinal response to anyone that asks a question regarding your Christian faith. The Christian must constantly prepare themselves for sharing their faith. God has reconciled us unto himself and has given us this ministry of reconciliation, which can be found in second Corinthians five eighteen. We are commanded by God himself to give our apology. What is a Christian? What do Christians do? How long can you be a Christian? Can you ever stop being a Christian? How do Christians grow? Do Christians also have problems? What is sin? Did God create evil? What does the Bible say about dinosaurs? What is heaven like? What does the Bible say about divorce? There are so many things that we are to give an account for. There are so many subject areas that Christians have to stand up and give a biblical response to. The world is looking. They may not say it, but they, they're looking for boundaries. They're looking for Christians to stand up and say enough is enough. This is the will of God. All of us have a responsibility to give our apology. And when we give our apology, we make God proud. Why? Because we are being obedient to his commission. And we must prepare ourselves to give each man, woman, boy and girl an answer, a reason for the hope that lies within us. We will continue on our next episode. If Jesus don't come back by then, my apology. Why we do the things we do in terms of giving a Bible-based response to life's questions. We've been saved by God that we may show forth his glory. We've been saved by God that we may give the world an answer that will keep them, that will preserve them and definitely save them. We ask that you consider being a financial partner of this ministry We are on air due to the generosity of those that believe in sound doctrine. So join us next week on Sound Reasoning, and may you have a wonderful and blessed day. God bless you all. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. 
Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy messages has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. I'm Billy Yancey, entrepreneur, fitness cowboy, father, retired Navy cornerback, and now podcast host. Listen to my new show, Billy and the Goat, on Life Audio. Happy listening.